Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Highmark Church Podcast. Our heartbeat is to help people find and follow Jesus. So we pray this message encourages you, strengthens you, and helps you pursue the purpose Jesus has for you. Today we want to talk about refocusing our lives. Refocus. We all need to do it from time to time. Our goal here at Highmark Church is posted out front. When you walk in, you see pursue your purpose. And that's what we're here for. We want to help you find that purpose. And sometimes we need to help you to refine that purpose, to refocus on what truly is important to you, what God really wants for your lives. And we want to help you do that. We want to help you refocus. I am an expert on refocusing. I, have, I, I probably refocus a hundred times a day because I have attention deficit, ADD. All my life I've had to refocus and refocus and refocus. If I heard it once, I heard it a million times. Jonathan, focus, son, focus. And, I, and sad, to, sad to say, I've got children and grandchildren they're just like me. You know, you always want to leave your kids something, you know? And that's not one that I really wanted them to have. <laughs> I can remember one time I asked Sissy, our, our youngest, um, and the only girl in our family, I said, honey, I said, will you get daddy a glass of milk while you're out in the kitchen? Sure, daddy. And she'd run out in the kitchen, poured a glass of milk, you know, got distracted, came back in, sat down with me in the living room, and I said, honey, I said, Where's that glass of milk? Oh, yeah. Had to go back out on the counter and get the glass of milk that she had poured to bring it back. She's got sons just like her. Oh, man, when we're there, it's all, it's it, the common phrases that you hear when our family's together is, look at me. Look at me. Did you not hear what I just told? Brighton, look at me. Refocus. Refocus. We all need to refocus from time to time. We get distracted by so many things. This world just tries to draw us in in every way, shape, and form to distract us from the true purpose of our life. I don't know how many of you made uh, New Year's resolutions. Here it's March 1st. Yeah? You still going to the gym? No, probably not. You still on that diet? Nah, probably not. But today, refocus. Refocus into the plan that you have prayed about, the plan that God has for you. Refocus. You need to refocus. Paying attention to the things that are important, the things that we really need in our lives, like humanity. I've been thinking a lot about this world, how tough it is, how hard it is. You know, it's just like we lack humanity. Just common courtesy. We need to refocus. Refocus on things like humanity. Things like having a conversation Instead of looking at our phone, developing relationships. I had a friend. He was very concerned about his son. He said he came home and his son was just devastated, just, you know, uh, just depressed. 
And he asked his son, he said, man, what's wrong? And he said, well, I broke up with my girlfriend. And the father thought for a minute, and he said, girlfriend? <laughs> I didn't even know he had a girlfriend. I've never seen her. I've never talked to her. So he asked his son, he says, well, who was she? Why haven't I heard about her since, you know, right now? And he says, well, we were dating on Facebook. Never had seen one another, never, nothing but just Facebook. Gosh, we need to refocus. We need to get back to talking to one another face-to-face -face and talking to him face-to-face. -face. Even though we're technologically advanced, I believe we've become technologically impaired in so many ways. All this wonderful technology has become a, a real distraction to many of us. It takes our time, it takes away our humanity, and it focuses off the things that are really important. I remember when I worked at Baptist Memorial Hospital right before we moved here. I used to love it. Doctors, you know, they're on their phones constantly. I mean, these guys have everybody in the world wanting something from them. And they'd be walking, they'd be walking down the hallway, you know, and they'd be in their phone and stuff. And every once in a while, I'd just get right in their path and just stand there. Boom. Oh, oh, how you doing, Mr. Richie? How you doing? I said, I'm all right, Doc. How you doing? Kind of fixed into that phone, aren't you? We need to refocus. We need to start looking up, talking to one another, sharing our, our lives, our pains, and the things that make us happy. One of the biggest distractions is, is our cell phones today. They cause a lot of family communication to be lost, a lack of social interaction. My cell phone gave up on me a few months ago, and I was absolutely amazed at how much I was attached to that phone. I mean, it was just so uncomfortable. I mean, all my numbers are there. You know, ask me Karen's number. I don't even know my wife's number because I just, oh, call Karen. It was kind of revealing to me. Television is another big distraction for us today. I watch way too much TV. My mother used to call it the idiot box. And for those of you that are older, uh, she called it the boob tube. That's when, you know, we had big tubes in them and, you know, you're a boob if you sit there in front of it too long. Go out and play. Go out and experience life. But I do. I, I sit in front of that thing and it gives me nothing but mindless nonsense that doesn't build me up, doesn't build my spiritual walk up at all. We're all distracted. We ease down the pathway of life without a plan, without a purpose, and most of the time we just let life happen to us and then merely react to what's in front of us. And then when life throws us a curveball, we don't know what to do with it. We're not, we don't have a plan for that. And then we struggle, and we fight, and we, we get upset because 
life's not all together. So when we live our lives that way, without discipline, without a plan and a purpose, being distracted this way and that, we come sometimes to end up heading down the wrong path, making wrong decisions, leading us farther and farther away from God's plan and purpose for our lives. God has a plan for your life. He does. He knows you. And he knows what he wants you to do. And he's there to guide you and lead you down that path, in that plan that he has provided for you, molded you to do. And that's why we're here. We're here to help you to pursue that passion, to pursue what God has called you to do. That's why we stretch that banner out every, every morning, every Sunday, to remind us to pursue the purpose that God has. Because we get distracted. We need to be reminded to refocus our lives. That's what communion is all about. Remember, Jesus said. Do this so you remember my life, my death, my resurrection and my soon return to refocus back on the things that are important. And this is nothing new. It happens to all of us, and it's been going on forever. From the very beginning of time, Adam and Eve were distracted by Satan in the garden, and they made the wrong decision. All throughout Scripture, we read story after story of how God's people got distracted from what God wanted them to do and how He helped His people bring them back to the mission that He had planned for them. So today, I want to help you get back on the right path toward fulfilling God's plan and purpose for your life. And how to stay on that path, maybe a little longer. Listen, if you don't hear anything I say today, hear this. God loves you. He is not angry with you. He just wants you to turn around and come home. God loves you. He's not angry with you. Regardless of what, whatever you've done, wherever you're at, he still loves you, and he will always love you. And all that he asks is that you love him back. To come home. To come home. The apostle shows us in this passage that we're going to look at today how we can refocus our lives. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. This is the word of God, holy and errant and infallible. I believe that with all my heart. That's why I've been preaching it for 37 years. Hear from God. I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living and holy, acceptable sacrifices to God which is your spiritual service of worship. 
And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. The same passage in the Passion Translation is very powerful. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God, to be sacred, living sacrifices, and live in holiness, experiencing all the delights of His heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Hear that again. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Verse 2. And stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through total reformation, a refocusing of how you think. And this will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eye. As we begin to refocus our lives, Paul tells us that we must first stop what we're doing and turn the other way. You know, Paul had to stop what he was doing. In Acts chapter 9, we're told a story about Paul's conversion. As he was going to the road to Damascus, and many of you know that Paul was a killer of Christians before he became a Christian. He wrote almost half of the New Testament, but before he got saved, before he turned, man, he was out to kill us. He wanted to destroy the church. And he got permission to leave Jerusalem to go to Damascus to find more Christians that he could bring back and have killed in Jerusalem. But something happened on the way to Damascus that day. As Paul was riding towards Damascus, a light from God, the glory of God, shone out for him. And it knocked him off his horse and made him blind. And God spoke to him there in that light. As Paul said, Lord, who are you? And Jesus spoke from the light and he said, Paul, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Meaning the church. And he instructed Paul to get up, go to Damascus, and a man would come by the name of Ananias and he would lay hands on Paul and he would bring back his sight. So Paul did that, led by his friends because he couldn't see for three days. And Ananias showed up and when he showed up, he laid hands on Paul and the scales fell off his eyes. And Paul began to see he was changed forevermore. The great apostle Paul had to turn from what he was doing and refocus his life. His whole life was changed. Moses did the same thing. Moses was out tending sheep one day. And he was just kind of, you know, you know, shepherds, you know. Anyway, 
all of a sudden, he caught at the, out of the corner of his eye, he saw this bush burning, but it wasn't consumed. And the scripture said that, that he stopped and he said, I need to go over there. I need to turn and go over there and find out what this burning bush is all about. He stopped what he was doing at God's prompting, and he turned towards the burning bush. And when he got to the burning bush, God spoke to him and said, Moses, don't come any further. Take off your sandals because you're standing on holy ground. A life-changing experience for Moses. And then he would learn the purpose and the plan that God had for him to go back to Egypt and retrieve the nation of Israel out of bondage, out of slavery, the same way that Jesus Christ came and removed us from the bondage of sin and set us free. Everybody, everybody has to, time to time, has to refocus on what you're doing. You know what's interesting about refocusing? I saw this the other day. I read it on Facebook, but it wasn't that big of a distraction. <laughs> but they said, you know, you can walk a long way in the wrong direction. Moses walked a long way in the wrong direction. Paul walked in the wrong way for a long time. But they said, as soon as you turn, That foot right there, that's on the right path. Immediately, you can walk. I don't care how long you've been sinning, how long you've been running around. I don't care where you're at. But today, today, as you have walked that long way, as soon as you turn and put that foot down, you are headed in the right direction. Need to refocus and come back to God. You know, you're always one decision away from a totally different life. It might not be a burning bush experience for you, but it could be a tragedy in your life. Or, or simply getting tired of moving in the wrong direction, feeling as though your life is out of control, unfocused, and chaotic. It might be that you're just hungry for God. And you feel like he isn't close to you anymore. I want you to know that God never moves. God is the same today, yesterday, and forever. And when you feel like he's far away from you, it's not because he's moved. It's because you've moved. You've moved away from him. But today, man, turn. Come running to the Father as J.D. Run to the Father. Fall into grace. He's there with open arms saying, Come home. I love you. Come back. I'm here to help you, to restore you, to give you new hope, to bring you back on the right path. you draw close to God, 
he will draw close to you. As Moses stopped, he immediately turned from what he was doing and began to worship the glory of God. Look at Romans 12, 1 again. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God, to be His sacred, living sacrifices, and to live in holiness, experiencing all that delights His heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. First, Paul says, as we come to this point of refocusing our lives, to consider the mercies of God. Have you ever thought about it? Have you ever stopped just for a minute and thought about all the wonderful things that he's done for you? And I'm not just talking about fire insurance. I'm not just talking about not going to hell. I'm talking about the daily presence of the Holy Spirit in your life that guides you and leads you and brings you back and helps you to refocus. Paul writes this this, uh, uh Consider, brethren, the mercies of God. It's written in such a uh, a way in the Greek that what he's saying is, consider what I've taught you in the first 11 chapters. He's referring back to, and Greek writers do this all the time. It's a little crazy. But they refer back all the time to what they've taught so far. Boom. Now, consider these mercies. And Paul is taught that salvation comes to those who are devastated by sin. All of us were born into sin, every one of us. Since Adam, we have been born into sin. We have a proclivity to sin. It's part of our nature. None of us are righteous. No, not one of us is righteous, Paul writes. But there became a Savior that God sent His only begotten Son into the world so that you might live in the freedom that that provides. Jesus Christ died on the cross for you, for your sins, to extinguish them forever. 1 John tells us, verses 8 and 9 in the first chapter, that we need to confess our sins. So, but he, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us all our iniquity. He is faithful. He will do it. He is righteous. He's the only one that can. Past, present, and future sins are washed away in the blood of Jesus Christ. And then He sanctifies you. He He pours out himself upon you and makes you holy again. You know, for years I I walked with my head down, so embarrassed by the things that I had done in my life that weren't honoring to God until I taught the book of Romans. And there I found a righteousness that I didn't have to go after, a righteousness that I couldn't earn and didn't deserve. It was a righteousness that God placed upon me because of the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus Christ. That I was made whole, not by my own efforts, not by anything that I had done, good or bad. I was made whole because of what Christ alone did at the cross. And God is sovereign. He is in charge of all things. In that sanctification process that Paul talks about, that's, that means that the walk of faith 
as you walk out in your faith and fear and trembling, God holds you right here in the palm of his hand to encourage you, to strengthen you, to refocus you sometimes back to doing what he wants to do. Come to the Father. Fall into grace. We must consider and then we must turn. We must repent of the way that we have gone and refocus our lives. And this is interesting. Every one of these people, as they begin to turn and refocus, it says that, that Paul says they worship. It, this is your worship. This is what you do. This is what you do as a Christian. You turn and you begin to worship God. Moses turned and he began to worship and he was amazed by what he saw there. Paul knocked to his knees, Oh Lord, who are you? And he began to worship what was going on. We need to worship. And Paul says we need to worship as living sacrifices, not dead sacrifices. You ever seen a Presbyterian amen? Man, I was a Presbyterian for a long time. They drug me out of my... They literally had to drag me from behind the pulpit in a, in a suit and tie into this new form of church. Now Don's dragging me even farther you know, into this techno, technology thing and all the wonderful things we can do. But here's a Presbyterian amen. And they call him the frozen chosen for a reason. <laughs> Man, when you worship, when you run to the Father, and you hold your hands up. You know, I, I'm, I'm a crazy worshiper, man. I, you know, people just think, oh, man, that guy's nuts up there. But what I'm doing is literally I'm holding my arms up for him to pick me up and to hold me and to give me strength. You know, when my kids, I, I made a habit when my kids were little, they would come up to me and they would hold their hands up and I always made a point of picking them up. And the peace and the calm and the love that they found in their father's arms helped them. You watch the kids as they run out of the, out of the nursery, out of the kids' thing. You watch them run to their pants. Woo! Mommy! Yeah! Hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me. That's worship. That's worship. We hold our, we're living sacrifices. We're alive in Jesus Christ. And we live that out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We worship with Him because we're alive in Him. And we are holy worshipers. You know how you get holy? There's only but one way, and that is to be washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He makes us holy. And that's what Paul's talking about. Refocus. Refocus. Here is where we find the power to do that. In our worship is where we find the power to do it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Here is where we gain the power together in, in this worship, in our small groups, is where we learn to live our lives alive in Jesus Christ. And when we fail, this is the body that helps you. 
I can remember, my kids have even been twenty. You know, I can worship, I can worship God down there at the, at the river, fishing. And I look at them and I say, but who's going to stand beside you at the casket when your mama dies? Is it going to be the fish that you caught? Is it going to be that beautiful sunrise or sunset? No, it's going to be the church. We're here to help you pursue the passionate plan that God has for you. To pursue it with everything you've got. I've got 43, 42 seconds left. I'm just halfway done. <laughs> All right. Let me give you a few ways that you can do this. How you can practically put this into your life. You can do it by being in a small group. Small groups are the life of this church. That's where you get the personal attention that you need to refocus from time to time. But there's all, all kinds of ways to refocus your life. For me, it's a prayer bracelet. I look at this and I pray for my beautiful daughter who gave it to me and her family and those little two grandsons that are driving her absolutely nuts. And I think it's wonderful. <laughs> Maybe it's an earring. You know, I got this earring for my granddaughter, but I got it because I want her to be reminded daily that I am a bond slave to the Lord Jesus Christ. That I'm here for one purpose and one purpose only. That is to glorify him and to tell others where to find him. I'm one beggar trying to tell other beggars where to find the bread. The bread of life in Jesus Christ. I've got one more. Oh gosh, 41 seconds over. Can I tell this one story? Fred Winter's a good friend of mine. We called him Well-Fed Fred. Fred and I, uh, we went to church together. We graduated from college together. We went to seminary together. In fact, Fred even lived with us for a while. But Fred always dressed with one red sock on. Not two, just one red sock. And one day I noticed it. We were sitting outside one of the classrooms there at Reformed Theological Seminary. I said, hey, man, do you realize you got one red sock on? He said, yeah. I said, why are you wearing one red sock? And and well-fed Fred got up from his seat and proudly stood before me. And he said, that red sock reminds me of the blood that was shed at the cross. That Jesus Christ saved me. He came into this world because he loved me so much that he died for me. And I want to remember it every day of my life. Paul, he wore that one red sock. Fred wore it, and people would ask him about the red sock, and, and Fred would stand, and he'd say, this is why. A remembrance, a turning at that moment. What Fred didn't realize that not only did it make him remind him to turn and refocus, it reminded me every time I saw his red sock. Find something, something to remind you to refocus each and every day. To refocus. To get back on the right path. To fight those distractions, those bad distractions, replace them with good distractions. 
God will lead you. He stands with open arms. Paul says it will give you the power to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life. Listen to this. A beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes. God really wants what's best for your life. He's not angry with you. He wants you to turn around and come home. He wants a beautiful life for you, a satisfying and perfect life under His watchful eye. Come to the Father. Fall into grace. Because He loves you. Thanks for tuning in today. We'd love to have you join us on Sundays at Highmark. Go online to highmark.church to get all the details and plan your visit. Remember, God has a high calling for your life, so keep pursuing your purpose.